Welcome to the Ambassadors for Christ Outreach Ministries podcast. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I want to talk about a real quick scripture on this morning from the book of Exodus chapter 16 verses 1 through 3. Exodus 16 verses 1 through 3. Yeah, I look good this morning. Amen. Look good. I love I love when the people of God come with a certain type of spirit, yeah. you know? Y'all just came in so happy. I like that. I like that. Do it again next Sunday. <laughs> and then bring somebody else with you. All right. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. And it says, "They and they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin." which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. We're talking about the children of Israel as they were freed from the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel, watch this, murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God... We had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Yeah, somebody say ungrateful. Just some ungrateful such and suches. I want to talk about on this morning for a few minutes imprisoned by illusions imprisoned by illusions as as i continue to grow and mature in life and in the lord i have i have discovered that in order to achieve success or to attain a goal you must have a fixed mind In planning a brighter tomorrow, uh, you must anticipate the many pitfalls and pitholes that you have to encounter on this road of life. I've also learned that anything that is worthwhile is bound to be a bitter battle. The higher the hill upon which you plan to build your castle, Uh the harder the climb is to reach its top. To reach the top, you must have your eyes and your mind, hear me, focused on the same thing. A focused individual is one who aims well at the target and pulls his bow of opportunity to the final stretch point before letting his arrow of destiny fly. The text informs us on this morning that Israel was in the middle of the wilderness on their way to Canaan. Canaan was the promised land, if you didn't know. But they had begun to face some very bitter experiences along the way. The ghosts of hunger and thirst had raised their heads and frightened them. They were frightened to the extent that they began to think about the times when they used to sit by the flesh pots of Egypt and sing and eat. They became discouraged before they had hardly gotten started. They had been on the road only for a few days and but a few miles from Sinai. 
But yet because they had missed a meal or two, they wanted to go back to the slave camps of Egypt. God had broken their chains, pulled, the, pulled a liquid gap out of a belching sea for the right way of passage and caused the wind to burn it dry, exchanging slushy mud for drifting dust, protecting their trampling feet. And yet they wanted to go back to make bricks from mud balls just to eat again. From flesh pots. They wanted to sell their future for a bite of the past. Seeing that freedom was quite a costly venture, they feared to pay the price. They had their eyes on Canaan, but their mind was in Egypt. They were imprisoned by illusions. They looked one way. And they thought another way. They talked freedom, but they thought like slaves. They started out watching God as he beckoned them through cloud by day and fire by night. But at the same time, they held on to Pharaoh's hand. Canaan and Egypt were in the same valley, but in extreme opposite directions. To reach one, you had to turn your back on the other. To think about Egypt, their, their minds would have had to trek across the burning desert sand where the jackals hide and bark back across the sea where slime and slavery holds sway. Yes, but to think of Canaan, their minds would have had to lift amidst the hills, twine and bend amongst the cedars and whispering pines. Canaan or Egypt? These were two great places in the affection of these people. One was cradled of the race and the other was the hope of their future. Yes, Shackles in one and songs in the other. Yes, Freedom in Canaan and slavery and bondage and horror in Egypt. Yes, they were halted between the call of chains and the call of wings. Chains to hold them to their past, but wings to lift them to new heights. Chains of slavery and wings or wings of freedom. Both places pointed in different directions. They were at opposite ends of any journey. And when the test came, Israel dared to face it. Israel would rather go back into bondage than pay the price for victory. So many times we act like the children of Israel, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in Exodus. We would rather go back into the bondage of the enemy than to fight for our victory. So many times we'd rather settle for the muck and myra of mediocrity than to strive for the pursuit and pos possessions of our promised land. So many times in the body of Christ, we can't reach Canaan because we're simply too busy thinking about Egypt. Yes, our eyes are on Canaan, but our minds, again, are in Egypt. We find ourselves, people of God, imprisoned by illusions. It'll make sense in a minute. As we embark on yet another year in ministry, the question at hand is how can we break this vicious 
cycle, not just for the body of here in, in AFC, but for the global, global body of Christ. How can we get off the treadmill of life and progress in the things of God? How can we focus our minds as well as our eyes on Canaan, on the Canaan experiences of our individual lives? How do we reach the individual promised lands of our lives without being detoured by the enemy? The text presents itself in today to us with three things that we must do. <clears throat> the first thing that we must do is change your focus. The text states that as soon as they hit the highway, they begin to murmur and talk and complain and grumble like we do against the leader, saying, we wish we would have died by the hand of God in the land of Egypt. At least we would have full stomachs. At least we wouldn't be hungry. Isn't it funny how we are consistently living in the past of our lives? Isn't it funny how we concentrate on how things used to be, what we used to have, who we used to be, and what we used to do? Memories are good to have. Don't get me wrong. It's good to reminisce. It's good to visit the past sometimes. But I want to let you know that you can't progress by living in your yesterday. We can never move forward if we keep looking back. The Lord has been constantly proving himself to us, taking us through danger seen and unseen, known and unknown. When you didn't know the devil had a plan, God was keeping you. Yet every time he tries to take us to the next level, we stand there looking over our shoulder in retrospect, contemplating how things used to be. How many times has the Lord placed in your spirit to move concerning the job opportunity, a business venture, or a new spiritual level in him? And, and as you begin to move concerning that specific issue, you encounter roadblocks that the enemy has designed to delay, deter, detain, discourage, and derail your progression. And instead of you trusting in the one who gave you the ability to move forward in the first place, in, instead of paying attention to the one that freed you from your bondage experience, you suddenly get a case of the coulda, woulda, shouldas. Israel was so concerned with eating from the flesh pots of Pharaoh's hand that they were willing to give up an entire land flowing with milk and honey. Too often, too often, we get on this thing called life and things come our way and, and we get sidetracked sometimes and, and we let the enemy deter us and we will be whether we'd rather give up on our milk and honey season just so we can go get our cheeseburger. A lot of us, God has promised us a land flowing with milk and honey. If you don't know what that means, in the Bible days, it means a land that is prosperous, a land that is healthy and flourishing. Every vegetable, every meat, every, uh, everything you needed to consume, every piece of medicine, everything you needed, houses, cars, everything, money, jobs, everything is right here for you. But because it's taking too long, we want to get this 
instant blessing. God, can you just bless me with my Dodge Neon? I, I know that you said I can have the Maserati, but God, I'm tired of taking the bus. Can you just give me this Pinto? Even if it is on three wheels, God, can you? I, I promise you, if I could just pay $500 for it, I'd put the money in it to fix it. But God says, no, if you just hold out and walk a little while longer, I got a Bentley for you. But God, you don't understand my feet hurt. I'm tired and, uh, and, and pe- I'm tired of people splashing water upon me when it rains outside. But God says, if you just wait a, a little bit longer. I give you four and five cars. That's just to put it down to, to your level. Maybe, maybe it's a job. God, God wants to you to be a business owner. He has put down inside of you a dream, something that nobody else has ever done. He has given you the ability to tap into places that nobody has tapped into with your talents and your gifts, but you'd settle for working for the man. You like that paycheck. <laughs> you can't see beyond the direct deposit. God has given some of us a W-2 anointing. Well, when you, well, when you see, if you walk in your favor, you're going to go and get a loan. You can't, you can't properly explain how much money you make. That's what kind of anointing some of us are in. Any real business owners understand what I'm saying. It's hard to, pr- it's hard to prove how much money I make. But we want to settle for the pay stub. Our eyes are on Canaan. But our mind is in Egypt. As a people of God, as a people, black, African-American people, our mind is on Canaan. Our eyes are on Canaan, but our mind is in Egypt. We've been free from slavery for so long. But we can't crack the code of social injustice. We can't crack the code of getting out of our community and moving to, to better places or, or empowering our community to be better. we just okay with what we okay with. It's okay if they're shooting down the street. Don't call the police. They just do that. Oh, well, you know what we do. Oh, I'm finna go there. You know what we do. We go out on the front porch and watch. We can be having Thanksgiving. Oh, it happens at my my house. I'm talking about my family now. (laughs) We can be having Thanksgiving dinner. Just enjoying God and everything and everybody else. Let something jump off outside. House coats, house shoes, no no pants on. Everybody just outside. Just want to see what's going on. Touch your neighbor, say your eyes are on Canaan, <laughs> but your mind is in Egypt. Israel was so concerned with eating from the flesh pots of Pharaoh that they were willing to give up an entire land flowing with milk and honey. Likewise, we get so caught up in our yesterday that we can never get to our tomorrow. The Lord is offering us eternal Happiness, eternal peace, eternal favor, life, prosperity. If we would just turn our minds as well as our hearts to him. 
If we would just stop allowing the enemy to convince us to return to the things that God has brought us out of. You see, people of God, that's the real problem. Although God has delivered us from certain sins, we really haven't come out of them. God has brought you out of the bondages of sin, but you still can't progress because although he brought you out, you haven't brought yourself out. Some of us want to stop lying. But because we've been lying for so long, now the lies is the truth. And we can't accept when somebody tells us, you lying, bro. Don't tell me that I've been delivered. Some of us want to stop cursing. Some of us don't want to stop cursing. It gives us that little feel, you know, when we get that one word out. Woo! The sentence don't quite fit if you don't have this in it. Yeah, for all my curses in the room. But we'll pray, Lord, just take this tongue away from me. Right before we curse somebody out. God, please just hold my tongue. You, you do it all day long. Your eyes are on Canaan, but your mind is in Egypt. God has delivered you from some of us, some of us men from chasing women and men, women from chasing men. But you're still walking around like you pimp daddy. Although he delivered you from gossiping, you're still trying to get up in everybody else's business. You better than CNN. You know what's going on in somebody else's life before it happened to him. I don't know how you got that. Although he delivered you from debt, you still trying to, you can't stop robbing Peter to pay Paul. Living paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because your mind has not accepted the fact that God has brought you out. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, you've been free for a long time. So you continue to long for what you left in Egypt. You continue to long for what you left in Egypt. And until you change your thinking, until you change your mindset, until you change your focus, you'll never be able to enter into your promised land. If you follow this story of the children of Israel, you'll recognize that a whole lot of people had to die before they got into Canaan. They was on the doorstep of Canaan and God had to kill some people. There's a whole lot of people that ain't going to make it to the promised land of your life because they don't see what you see. Stop getting mad with God and everybody else because God is trying to separate you from some people. Stop holding on to folk God is trying to pull you from. And we'll hold on with all our might. We clenching on the folk like this. They dragging us with their leg. God is saying, I need you to give that person up. There's a better you that is out there and that person is holding you back. There are some relationships you just got to get rid of. There's some people that you don't necessarily agree with. Watch this, that you got to attach yourself to because they got some stuff that you need. They have been some places that you've never been. 
They've been higher than, than you've ever been. There are some people that you call enemies right now that are actually there to push you up. Your mind is on Canaan, or your eyes are on Canaan, but your mind has been stuck in Egypt. Although they have changed their location physically, it would take a mental relocation of their mind for Israel to grab a hold to what God had in store for them. Not until we start really believing in our own deliverance. We come here Sunday after Sunday. And when I say things in worship, I don't say it just because it sounds good or it makes me quiver on the inside. I say it because I'm releasing things into the atmosphere. God has given each and every one of us the power to say things and they come to life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. When you speak life, life happens. When you speak death, death occurs. Most of us are in the situation we're in because we can't shut our mouth. Not until we believe in our own deliverance. When you look at yourself in the morning, don't see yourself as what you used to be. See yourself as what God has created you to be. I am special. I am beautiful with or without makeup. I am wonderful. I am strong. I am prosperous. I am healthy. Oh, you got to see and believe in your own deliverance. Start believing in your own financial prosperity. Start believing in, our, in your own success, good health and salvation of our, of our loved ones and speaking. That's when we'll, we'll be able to grab a hold to what God has in store for us in our Canaan experience. So the Bible tells us, one, to change our focus. Secondly, this is a problem with some church folk. Not y'all. I'm talking about another church. Maybe somebody watching on Facebook, if we're on Facebook, may listen to the podcast. But you must have faith in those that are appointed over you. God doesn't just haphazardly appoint leaders without regards to what his people need. Every leader that God, that God has appointed, every leader that God has appointed is appointed for a people, is appointed for a reason, is appointed for a time. For he knows who and what we need. Jeremiah 3.15 lets us know that the Lord will give us pastors according and after his own heart. Remember, Moses didn't volunteer for the job. He was appointed. Moses was minding his business. And God started a burning bush situation. Moses was just doing his thing. God interrupted his schedule. He was chosen. He was called. And whom God calls, he qualifies. I think I need to stress that because so many people get caught up on how many degrees and suffixes a preacher has behind his or her name. People will flock from different ends of the earth to hear bishop and apostle such and such. 
And we will come to church and we will, we will be a part of the pomp and circumstance where everybody's walking in with their staff and their cane and they hotter than hot, ain't no air in the sanctuary and they got four robes on, not five, four. And they all different colors and everybody's significant of anything and, and you, you're the apostle over this and you're archbishop over this and you're the apostle, apostle, chief apostle over this. You're the general five-star apostle over this. <laughs> And God is just trying to get us to do his work. But what we do as a people, we flock to places where people have titles and platforms so that we can say, I'm a part of such and such a church. God didn't call your leaders to go to school and just be professional idiots. He called us to proclaim his word and lead his people. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with going to school, especially for theology and and ministry and things of that. Uh, I'm all for it. But you cannot allow that to stand in the way. All of your education and your understanding and your theological conjecture, you cannot allow that to stand in the way of what God is trying to do in the lives of the people. Likewise, we can't simply judge the one God has called simply by how many letters are behind their name. Moses couldn't even talk. That man had a stutter. Yeah. He was like, oh boy, off of Harlem Nights. Yes, sir. <laughs> he even questioned God when God called. God, I can't do this. When I go in front of Pharaoh, who do I say sent me? God says, I am that I am. God don't need nobody intelligent to do no work. He can take the dumbest person in the room and make them the most powerful. Just because you ain't educated, just because you don't have as many degrees, just in case you don't have, just because you don't have all the money, don't mean God can't call you. Moses couldn't even speak clear, but God chose him to lead Israel out of the land of Egypt. He was not a geography major. Moses wasn't an excursionist, but God chose him to lead his people. So many times we want to pick our leaders based on their stature or what, what we see with the naked eye. But God looks at the heart. Remember when the Lord sent Samuel to anoint the, uh, a king after Israel rejected uh, Saul, he looked at all of Jesse's sons in the house, but it wasn't until he saw David that the Lord told him which one was to be anointed king. God looks at what's on the inside. When God chooses a leader for his people, we've got to not only have enough confidence and trust in that individual, whether male or female, but we've got to be able to trust God enough to follow the one that he has appointed over us. Does that mean you're going to always agree? Absolutely not. I have a problem with those who try to come and they overrun or overrule the pastor or the leader of the church. The pastor, the Bible says, God will give you pastors after my own heart, right? How can you vote a pastor in or out? Then we wonder why churches are stagnant and not moving. 
and get renamed for them five times. Because we hold meetings and who all say I for this person. I've been in churches where you can't be a part of the membership unless you get the right hand of fellowship. What happens if my hand is cut off? What if I walk in here like this and you can't give me that right hand of fellowship? That ain't in the Bible. But these are the type of things that we get so, so into, you know. The pastor has been placed in position to lead God's people in the way that they should go. The Bible says that if they're doing wrong, we are to pray for them. That they would turn from their wrong and repent and be restored back to God. The people of God have to be praying for the man of God, the woman of God. Put them back in position and he'll do the moving when it's time. Not only that, the Bible also cautions us. Touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. You better watch out what you start, what, how you say and what you put your mouth on regarding the men and women of God. We got to learn how to trust God with the leadership he has given to us. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, it tells us trust in the Lord with what? All of our heart and lean not to what you think, lean not to your opinions, lean not to your own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all your ways and he will do what? Direct your path. That was the problem with the children of Israel in this text. Beloved, if we are going to continue on our journey to Canaan, we've got to learn how to stop thinking about Egypt, take God at his word, and have faith in those whom he's appointed over us. Number three, the third thing we must do is move and operate in the favor of God. How many of us truly know how to move and operate in the favor of God? To move and operate in the favor of the Lord literally literally means three things. And this is a good point to take note. Uh To have the accessibility of his presence. Uh To have the advantage of his power. And to have the ability of his promise. Or availability of his promise. The accessibility of his presence is having access to the Father at all times. Uh We have access to his presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week through his son, Jesus Christ. John 14 and 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the avenue by which we can enter into the presence of the, God, of the Lord. That's why everything we do should be in the name of Jesus. So Paul lets us know in Acts 4 and 12, there is no other name by which man can be saved, delivered, and set free. Why do you think it's strange when you call your mama and your daddy and your cousin and your auntie and nothing changes in your life? But when you call on the name of Jesus, things start to shake. Then he further affirms that his name uh, is above every name and that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When we find ourselves in the presence of God, we'll find out that things we begin uh, that that things will begin to move and operate according to God's plan. 
Situations will work themselves out. Circumstances will begin to change. Dark nights will turn into bright, sunshiny days. For in his presence we, you, is where you'll find sweet relief. And once you have the accessibility of his presence, you'll be able to grab a hold to the advantage of his power. Which means that although it seems like the enemy has the upper hand, we actually have the advantage over him. Because God is our father and we are his children, we have the power to move in his authority. We have the power to cast out demons. We have the power to lay hands on the sick and they be healed. We have the power to call things that are not as though they were. We have the power to tell the enemy to take his hands off of our families and off of our finances and off of anything that belongs to us. That's the advantage of his power. And because we have the accessibility of his presence and because we have the advantage of his power, we will also be able to receive the availability of his promise. Yes, For just as he promised the children of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey, he promised us a life of eternity, a life more abundantly, a life without sorrow and pain. So if you want to move in a forward progression towards the kingdom, it's time to stop thinking about Egypt and keep your mind and your eyes on Canaan. Change your focus. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Somebody ought to touch your neighbor, say, stop thinking about Egypt. And keep your eyes on Canaan. By having the faith in those that uh, the, the Lord has appointed over you. Hebrews 13 and 7 says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follows, considering the outcome of their conduct. Stop thinking about Egypt and keep your eyes and your mind on Canaan and move and operate in the favor of the Lord. It's time to move forward in the things of God. It's time to stop looking one way and thinking another way. It's time for us to be free from the illusions that our past is more comforting and familiar and I love what I used to be. If we're going to make it into our Canaan, I hear Paul saying that we've got to forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are before us. And Paul says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, it's time to get into the press. Why? Because when you get into the press, you'll find out that Jesus is in the midst of your press. If you don't believe me, just ask the man who was sick with the palsy. The Bible says, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let 
down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Although he was willing to be healed, it was not until he got into the press. Things concerning you happen quicker when you get into the press and tear the roof off of the place. Get into the press. Why? Because when you get into the press, you'll find out that you'll be able to touch Jesus. If you don't believe me, go a few scriptures behind that and ask the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says, and the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse, the Bible says, when she heard of Jesus. What did she do? She came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his garment, I shall be Hold and straightway the foundation of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that it, she was healed from that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched me? When you get into the press concerning God, you'll not only be able to touch him, but you'll get his attention. He'll stop and turn around and come see about you. How many of you need Jesus to stop and turn around and see about you? Get into the press. Why? Because when you get into the press, God gets stirred up about it. You get his attention and he'll begin to move on your behalf. Move mountains out of the way and cause you to be blessed. If you still don't believe me, just ask Zacchaeus. Uh, the Bible says who was the chief amongst the publicans and, and, and he was rich. He had a whole lot of money. He was wealthy and well known and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for what? The press. There that word is again. Because he was little of stature. He was a short midget of a person. It doesn't matter about your stature, people of God as you're getting into the press you've got to decide if you're going to overcome the barriers that exist around you so I tell you again to get into the press why because when you get into the press God has a tendency to call you out by name and he'll clear his schedule to have a personal visit with you. Luke 19 and 4 says, and he ran before and climbed up on a sycamore tree to see him for he was, he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down for today I must abide in thy house. How many need Jesus to come into your house? We need you to, we need to be able to or be willing to climb up in the sycamore trees of our life. Climb up in the things of God. Remember, your attitude determines your altitude. We've got to press towards the mark if we're ever going to get to our Canaan. Just as Michael Johnson ran in the Olympics, we need to take on the same attitude of winning the race. When you see the mark, 
which is the will of God being manifested in your life, you want to make sure that you make it to the finish line. Remember, for those of you that are tired, that the race is not given to the swift nor the battle to the strong, but to him that is endureth to the end. Keep scratching, keep scraping, keep crawling, keep hopping and jumping and skipping and catch a ride if you have to. But you've got to get to the finish line. When you feel tired, when you feel like giving up. You've got to keep pressing. You've got to keep pressing even when the enemy comes at you. Because God has given you the ability and the authority to overcome. I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep pressing to my Canaan. Because I know with Jesus, I can make it. I'm going to keep pressing on to my Canaan. You ought to touch somebody and say, keep pressing on to your Canaan. Towards the things of God concerning you. I'm pressing on to my Canaan. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to press on. Keep striving to the finish line. Towards the promise that God has set before you. Keep running the race that God has put you in. Because before, the, uh, before you lies a crown of life. Follow the vision that God has given to you. It's a new year. With new opportunities. Forget about 2018. We spent six months in 2019. Forget about all of that other stuff. God is giving you a year of new things. A year of new opportunities. A year of new blessings. And the only way that you're going to get from where you are to where you're going is you're going to have to forget about what you've been through. You're going to have to forget about all the people that said no. You're going to have to forget about all the people that said you couldn't, they couldn't hire you. You're going to have to forget about all the people that you said that you don't have enough. And you got to keep your mind on your Canaan. Our promised land is closer than we realize. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't spend any more time. I would check out your day, check out your birth date, whatever, however old you are. And I would tell myself I wouldn't spend no more time dwelling in what I am right now. I I don't want to spend any more time. I'm not spending another 32 years doing what I've been doing. My next 32 years is going to be so, so great. I dare you to be attached to me for where I'm going. And that's the kind of attitude you ought to have. Your mind cannot be in Egypt if you ever plan on reaching into your Canaan. No matter where you are in your life or in this ministry, we must keep our eyes and our mind focused on Canaan. We cannot be imprisoned by our own illusions. Come on, somebody give God a hand praise in this place. We hope that this message has blessed you and can carry you through your week. For more information, visit www.afcoutreach.com.